Today on Season 3, Episode 44 of the Unknown Packers Podcast, special guest Bill Huber joins Bryce in the UPP studio. You may know Bill as the Packers beat writer for Sports Illustrated, but that's not where he got his start. Learn more about his roots as a writer, hear some stories he has collected over the years, and his take on the 2020 Packers. We talk Rodgers, training camp, the possible rise of MBS, and the Week 1 matchup versus the Vikings. Let's get geared up for opening week, Packers fans. And now it's time for Bill Huber on tap. so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Touchdown! Dagger! Al Harris, 56 yards to a game-winning touchdown! Green Bay Packers! Go back, go! Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, yellow. Unknown Packers podcast. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. And let me tell you this, Green Bay is a great town. And welcome to the Unknown Packers Podcast. I am your host, Bryce Christensen, and I am thrilled to continue our guest episodes and our trend of Packers reporters coming on. Our next guest episode is none other than Bill Huber, formerly of Packer Report and now with Sports Illustrated. Brace yourselves, Packers fans. Go Pack Go! I am thrilled to welcome Sports Illustrated Bill Huber to the Unknown Packers podcast. How are you doing, Bill? I'm great. How about you? I can't complain, and I'm thrilled to have you come in and talk about your background as well as uh, the Packers in this upcoming 2020-2021 unusual season. First and foremost, a little bit about your background and uh, where you started and who do you work for and that whole sort of background with the Green Bay Packers? Yeah, um, well, I started at Sports Illustrated about a year ago, August of 2019, just before training camp. So I guess maybe it was July, but whatever. So my, it's interesting. I, I My first job out of college was at a couple of weekly newspapers, and I kind of migrated north, and I landed at the Green Bay News Chronicle, which is no longer in business. I have, I have a history of people that working for people who are, who are no longer in business, <laughs> by the way, but... The old Prangaway department store, they're out of business. News Chronicles, I don't know. Anyway, so I was driving to, I don't even know where I was driving to, but I was driving down toward the stadium and the old Packer Report office was located on Lombardi Avenue in a strip mall, which no longer exists. I drove past it a bunch of times. I thought, I'm just going to stop and I'm an editor. I have some sports background. I was, hey, I'll, I'll just say hi. If you ever need something, let me know. And the old editor down there, Todd Korth, said, sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I started writing for writing Packer stuff in like 1998, basically because I knocked on the guy's door. No way. So it was just kind of some part-time stuff. I was an editor, a page designer. I did a NFC North Roundup. I mean, this is the old print days when you when you couldn't when there, when there, when you couldn't go on the internet to figure out what do the Detroit Lions do this week. <laughs> I mean, not game wise, but what, what's news out of Detroit? I mean, you could there was no internet to find that stuff out. So back back in the day, back in the old print days, that was my job was getting NFC North. Scoop. I actually might have been NFC Central at that point. I'm kind of, right. I don't even remember. Yeah, that is that is true. Yeah. So uh, when when Todd left in 2008, I, I wasn't even interviewed. I was just say, hey, do you want to take over for Todd? Sure. So there you go. 2008, I took over Packer Report, and then I worked there worked there until until 2019. And then how did uh, the transition from Packer Report to Sports Illustrated? Because I know that that was a big thing when Ross Uglum took over for Packer Report, and then you moved on 
to Sports Illustrated. So I'm curious how that all transpired. Yes, yeah, Sports Illustrated had been after me for several months. I said, eh, 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 I don't know, I don't know. And then, so Pack Report was run by CBS. Okay. And CBS is getting out of the NFL game. Okay. So I was so like, ah, we don't need you anymore. So no I go to Sports Hey, about that job you're asking me about for the last few months, I'd, I'd be interested in it. So, yeah, it's, well, I mean, just fortuitous timing for me because as, as I frequently joke on Twitter, I'm not really qualified for anything else and, I, and I'm barely qualified for this job. So it was, uh, it was, it was good fortune for sure. Well, I, I'm, I'm humbled to have you join in for our latest guest episode. And we've had a couple other Packer reporters. And the thing that, you know, I'm curious about the background as well, how you got into it. You talked about, you know, back in the print days, then Packer Report, then Sports Illustrated. But how did it dawn on you that this is what you wanted to do? You wanted to cover the Green Bay Packers. You wanted to write for the Green Bay Packers. I played football. Um, I love football. I went to college at UW-Whitewater, um, A, because they had a journalism program and I liked it. And B, I, I loved football. And look, I knew I wasn't going to be good enough to play in the NFL. There was no, <laughs> there was no pretense about that. But you know, I did everything. I mean, I in college, I was, I, I wrote. Um, I was a football official for high school games. I just loved football, it was, so it was, it was a great way to stay involved. Did I ever think I'd become an NFL writer? I don't know. I mean, I, 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 probably, I don't think I thought that far ahead when I was twenty something. But like, like any other job, you, you you do one thing, and you and you then you start thinking, well, what's What's the next step? Again, I, I don't think I knocked on the door at Packer Report to figure I'd be the NFL beat writer there at, at some point for sports. I mean, that was not on my radar, but it was a good foot in the door. And it was, you know, I like page design and I like football. It's just a way to stay involved in it. So um, it was probably more more luck than plan, I think. And I, the thing that inspires me is marrying two things that you love. And so I, I, I'm i a huge sports fan and doing work within sports and then marrying the two. I, that never dawned on me. And uh, the, I guess the standard um, sort of response that I've gotten from other reporters is that they, it never dawned on them that they could marry their passion with their profession. Is that something that uh, has dawned on you as well? Oh man, um, I'm lucky. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm lucky. There's not, there's not a lot of us. Um, is people who follow media go, um, no, there's, there's fewer and fewer of us covering football teams. Mm-hmm. Gosh. I'm, when I started covering the Packers full time in a way, the Press Gazette and Journal Sentinel were different entities. That's true. So they had their big team, you know. So they, they each had their own B team. Some, um, you know, Jason Woldy was for the Wisconsin State Journal at the time, and they don't cover the. I mean, Jason writes part time, but they don't have a full time Packers guy. It's it's different, and I, in in today's media landscape, I'm, I just feel so fortunate to to keep doing what I'm doing. I just, I probably didn't answer your question at all, but that that that's what's that's what strikes me a lot is just kind of thinking back to the incredibly packed sidelines at training camp back in the day to to what it is now. It's just, it's totally different. There's just not many of us doing it anymore. And it's not just green Bay. It's, it's everywhere. And you, if you follow media stuff, it's, it's, it's not a media is a bad business. You know, newspapers Mm -hmm. are losing money hand over foot and they're slashing budgets here everywhere. And it's not just a green Bay thing. It's, it's a total media thing. And, so with with your background and your journey, the one question that I, I really like asking some of our guests, especially the ones that uh, have the reporting background that cover the Green Bay Packers is, uh, since you cover the Green Bay Packers, is there an interview or story that sticks out to you as most memorable? I have written so many thousands of stories. <laughs> um, <laughs> I got two stupid ones here for you. Sure. I was thinking about this. Um, one was, in a, I, I used to cover the pro days a lot. 
pretty pretty heavy um, to see where check where the Packers are at and who they're looking at. Um, I kind of backed off that, especially last year when there wasn't any pro days. But mm-hmm. gosh, what year did the Packers signed Jeff Saturday? God Almighty, I forget what year that was. So anyway, the Packers are hosting Jeff Saturday. Um, so I'm I'm also asking schools at pro days, hey, are, are there any Packers guys there? And I forget. You know, Damon Harrison, he played at William Penn, a Division Three school. They, they didn't have a pro day. I think he might have went to Northern Iowa's pro day. Okay. Ted Thompson, on the day they are hosting Jeff Saturday, he is scouting Damon Harrison at Northern Iowa. If there's ever anything you want to know about Ted Thompson's philosophy about personnel, I think that story tells it to a T that he was scouting Damon Harrison. Because I asked, I think I think it was Northern Iowa, and I said, who, you know, who, who are your top guys there? Um, and he said, and the guy was honest as could be the guy from Northern Iowa. They're not, he's not here to see my guys. He's here to see Damon Harrison. And at that point, I'm telling, I have no idea who Damon Harrison is. He's a division <laughs> three guy. I have no idea who Damon Harrison is, but that it's, it, you know, it struck me at the time that he's scouting some division three guy now. And it's really stuck with me in town that Damon Harrison, um, was one of the era's top run stopping defensive linemen. So obviously right. Thompson knew something, but the fact that the team was hosting a rare free agent and he wasn't there for it, absolutely amazing. And my favorite player feature, or one of them anyways, Nobody knows who this guy is anymore. Um, Donatello Brown. Oh, he's a yeah. undrafted cornerback in 2017. Was it Valdosta and State? It, yeah. He was a 26-year-old rookie. <laughs> and I and, and I I didn't really know his story. A lot of times I know the stories because because of Google, but like he was out of school, like not out of not out of football, but he was out of school for like two years for academic reasons. I mean, he was working at Little Caesars, and then um, you know, he knew I, I forget why, but he had a connection at Valdosta and in one of his, he knew the new coaching staff and he was able to get in. And it was a, it was a great story for, I mean, I love the perseverance stories. I love the underdog stories. And he, and he was, he had it all. He didn't make the team, but it, it, it was a hell of a story to see this guy who's delivering pizzas. Yeah, no kidding. And, and they get a, to get a shot in the NFL was quite something. Um, but man, I've written a million stories. Right. I, I did some freelance work for the sporting news a couple of years ago and I made Drew Lock mom. I drew. I made Drew Lock's mom cry. Really? Gosh, the outside linebacker from Alabama. I'm totally drawing a blank on him. Um, doesn't make any difference. I mean, he had a million stories written about him. Um, but he actually emailed me to thank me for the story. And that's hey, it's never happened because you know, again, these guys get a million stories written about them, and frankly, they probably don't read any of them. Um, but he actually emailed me. Um, Christian Miller. Okay. Third, uh, second or third round pick a couple of years ago. Um, he had a really good story, and he. He actually emailed me to thank me. That's uh, that was the first and last time that's ever happened. So those are those 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 stand out. I would say I was not expecting to talk about Donatello Brown, and the reason why, and my mind works in very mysterious ways. I don't even know how I was able to utter Valdosta State, and yeah, that's a good that's a good pull from your memory. <laughs> and the but his name stuck out. I was a huge Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yeah. fan growing up as a kid. And I remember seeing that name, and I'm like, "You got to be kidding me!" There's a real life, almost teenage mutant ninja turtle player. Um, I didn't know that he was a 26 year old undrafted rookie, so that's something that uh, w- was new to me. And yeah, there were there were 17 players in the roster older than him as a rookie. Man, I mean, <laughs> get out of here! <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And I, the one that comes up to mind is like Chris Wenke from Florida State. I remember he was like a 26. 27 year old but he was drafted I, yeah I think, he had baseball yeah i think carolina in like the second round but i know speaking of just your background and these incredible stories outside of interviews what would be your favorite experience covering the green bay packers oh it's game days yeah. a win or lose it's game days just walking i it's a long walk in from where we enter through the media um 
security gate. It's a long walk to the stadium. And just that walk is, it's a fun walk. You know, the fans are milling in and it, you know, sometimes the the Packers drum corps rehearsing in the, in the uh, walkway and, you know, the, the smell of sausage and onions. Oh, you're speaking <laughs> it's, it's to the little, me. It's, it's the little things. Yep. Um, again, I've been incredibly lucky to have this job. Mm-hmm. Um, there's honestly, there's probably a million pe- people more qualified than me to be doing it, <laughs> but so it's the little things. The games are look, every, everyone loves football games. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's why we do it. Um, so just, it's that, that walk in and you can feel the excitement in the air. And yeah, I, I do enjoy that. And speaking of game days, then since you cover the green Bay Packers, have you ever been able to go to a game not covering the Green Bay Packers? Yeah, when I was a kid, yeah. I went to like two back when they played in Milwaukee County Stadium. Oh, I, yeah. I was a southeastern Wisconsin guy. I couldn't even tell you who they play. My dad got tickets. They were awful. <laughs> I mean, if you're sitting at a baseball stadium, they're automatically awful. But we're six miles away from the action. But yeah, though I saw a couple games as a kid. Otherwise, my first game as a media member was Packers Buccaneers in maybe 99, maybe. No, it wouldn't have been that. But 96 or maybe 96. My first job out of college was at the Wisconsin Dells Events Weekly Newspaper. And they actually had a an alumni, the Wisconsin Dells product, was on the Buccaneers, Jason Manecki. So I actually had a field pass okay. um, to take photos of him mostly for the paper. So that was my first game as a media guy. I was actually following a Buccaneers guy. And here I'm I'm a photographer. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. You know, these there's professional photographers and they know they know all the rules. They know where you're supposed to be for certain things. And here I am, I'm some 22 year old kid. You know, but by far the smallest camera on the and I, I say, man, this is this is something. And when you talk about your background as a fan, as a reporter, switching in to uh, the Green Bay Packers and this truncated, abbreviated offseason, no preseason, virtual offseason, as the Packers kick off their 102nd season on September 13th, at the Minnesota Vikings, Lafleur mentioned, we want to have all our horses for the race, referring mm-hmm. to live tackling. What is your feel about Lafleur's comments and the abbreviated training camp and how that will influence week one and beyond? I understand it. Um, I never thought I would have. I'm 40, what am I, 47, and man, we beat, the, you know, I, at Whitewater, I mean, we beat the hell out of each other. <laughs> that's just what you did, you know? <laughs> it's it's That's how football has always been. You know, you you get ready to play football by playing football, you know, and that means tackling people. But I get it now. Will, will they be a more prepared football team by tackling each other? Yes, they, they would They would have been more prepared for whatever happens on Sunday or next Sunday against the Vikings. That being said, no team has ever won a Super Bowl in September. That's a good point. In fact, preseason games, you know, people complain about Rodgers' take on preseason games. Hell, clearly nobody's ever won a preseason game in August, right? Right. And they and they've never won a they've never won a, or nobody's ever won a championship in August, and, and they're not going to win them in September. Mm-hmm. But you sure as hell can lose one. It's true. Aaron Jones is a great football player. What happens if he What happens if he gets hurt? You know, mm-hmm. what happens if he hurts his, hurts him? He's got some knee problems in his curve. What if he, What happens if he hurts his knee in a tackling drill and he's out for eight weeks? Mm-hmm. His season's over, right? Right. Or or James or when uh when Jordy got hurt in a preseason game against Pittsburgh, which is of course where all this happened. Yep, and that's where the that season thought. was. The season was over. Yep, it was over. Do you want to have your season over or over in August? Hell no. Mm-hmm. So may, you know maybe you know I, I have I have no idea what Zip, what Zimmer is doing in Minnesota, and maybe the Vikings are tackling. Maybe the Vikings will beat the Packers in Week One because they're a more prepared football team. You know whatever. Um, you've got to have your horses in the race for the games that matter. And September and October is great, but you've got to be as healthy as can be 
I mean, certainly to start the year, but you know, no, November, December too. And you've got and you know, Lafleur played it as luck last year, mm-hmm. but and I'm certainly I'm I'm sure it's part of it. But a football team has never had it so easy as what Lafleur's Packers had it last year. I mean, these guys, it wasn't. It was a relatively easy training camp. Obviously, the starters didn't play the preseason. It worked. Again, maybe maybe it was just dumb luck. Who knows? But I mean, they were incredibly healthy. Right. And healthy football teams generally have a chance, as, as every coach likes to say, from you know, the greatest ability is availability. And it starts with the coaching staff and making sure they're available. So as the quote unquote old school guy who grew up beating the crap out of each other doing the Oklahoma drill and all those things that are bad, I, I it, it pains me to say it, but I, I understand it. Because you, you, there's no point in getting anybody hurt in August. I mean, um, and, and ruining your chances to to win games in September. It's it's, it's foolish. Interesting. And with so Lafleur, obviously, and I'm adding to this question. Uh, Lafleur last year came in exceeded expectations, going 13 and three in his first year, first round by you know winning the NFC North, winning a playoff game, appearance in the NFC Championship game. Do you feel that? I mean, is it? Obviously, it's hard to, again, exceed expectations, but I feel very fortunate that we're not going through a COVID type of offseason with a rookie coach. And and definitely with his uh, press availability interviews, he just seems that he's got the control and he's built this culture. What are your expectations then as we head into week one and the new season and the second year of Lafleur and the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, they're going to be good. I think they will exceed expectations, just nice. because the expectations are so low. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think Vegas has the over under at like nine, nine and a half yeah. on wins. I mean, are you kidding me? Look, I understand that they did a lot of things that are going to be hard to duplicate. The injury stuff again. May, maybe Lafleur is right. Maybe they were just lucky. Mm-hmm. Not having Brian Balaga is brutal. Forever, you know, and people for two, three years, you should get. They should get rid of. But why, why would you get rid of Balaga? Right. Yeah, he's been hurt. But I'll take 12 games of Brian Blog over 16 games of somebody else. Right. So you're you're worse there. Everybody knows the personal decisions. They didn't get better where they need to get better. Right. They want to boat. I almost said a bad word. They want a <laughs> boatload of close games, and that's that's hard to duplicate. But um, the defense was, I think, eighth in scoring last year. It's their first top 10 scoring defense since the Super Bowl year. Okay. They're good. The defense is really good. I mean, that was there's no fluke there. And if Kirksey stays healthy, they'll, they'll they could they could be better on defense. I believe Rodgers. I he's been good the last the last handful of days. I I you know he had a great you know he, he had a great line to me last week about watching some 2010 film and Jason Wilde got him to expound on some stuff or expand some on some stuff yesterday that we're going to talk about. I'm sure. Um, so I believe Rodgers is in a better place. So the offense should be better just through the experience of it all. So the offense I think will be better. The defense shouldn't be worse. Um, the special teams really hit its stride at the, once Irvin got here. It's like right. it's like when Irvin got here, the guys suddenly decided they should block because <laughs> there was hope. And, and I, I, I don't mean to poo-poo it, but I, I mean, even Sean Slocum, the former coordinator, would say that if your returner's got a chance to break one, the guy's naturally going to block for him. It's just human nature. Mm-hmm. They'll block just a half second longer if there's a genuine belief something could happen. So they should be better in all three phases. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to win 13 games, but I think it's going to be a better football team. And if I was a gambler, and I'm not a gambler because I'd be broke, I, I would take the over on their wins because it, it just seems preposterously low. And I, and that's why I wanted to ask that question. And I and granted, I, I, I'm an optimistic Packers fan. Doing this podcast has definitely grounded me a little bit more understanding the the little nuances, having Ken Ingles as well, and him humbling me with the salary cap. That's great. Yeah, and actually, before I forget, 
I, I was going to mention this. How did you and Ken, because Ken was the matchmaker for making this episode happen. How did you and Ken, how did that relationship start? I retweeted him a couple times yeah. and commented on his tweets. I mean, there's a lot of things I don't know, Bryce. I, I, I am, as people who follow me on Twitter, I, I go to great pains to make it known that I am not the know-it-all. <laughs> um, I, 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 I will admit where I don't know stuff. I don't know Ken's personnel prowess or schematic prowess, but Ken knows salary cap. Yeah. He, he knows stuff that I don't know. And um, if he, I, I think I've always believed that there's no shame in, in admitting what you don't know. Amen to that. Uh, and I don't know it. I don't have the time to know it. I mean, I can look at overthecap.com and those places and they do a great job. And I, I understand the bottom line, but there's more to it than just the bottom line sometimes. So Ken does good work and I, I will freely admit that. And he appreciated me commenting on some stuff and so there you go. Well, I needed to give a little shout out to Ken because he was the little beautiful matchmaker for making this happen. So props for Ken and thank you again for coming on. We've got a couple more questions before we wrap up Bill Huber on tap. And you talked about Aaron Rodgers and in, in, in your article, quote, introspective Rodgers, not surprised about strong camp, end quote, talks about Rodgers feeling comfortable in year two and his impressive camp. What are your predictions of Aaron Rodgers so far in camp and when the Packers face off against our arch nemesis, the Minnesota Vikings, week one. The first three or four, in fact, it was the first four days of camp or whatever it was. We get to talk. He wasn't very, I I actually looked at, I went through my notes. He was 22 out of 40 passing. That's like 55%. And you're thinking, man, um, this looks this looks like a lot like the offense last year where it was just a struggle. Mm-hmm. And I remember asking Jerry Gray, you know, was what do you, what do you thought of his secondary plays? I said, you're, you're just, you know, Rodgers isn't completing a lot of passes on you. And he just, he, he gave me some nonsense answer. Clearly wasn't buying what I was selling. <laughs> um, <laughs> and like the next day, Rogers started, he started rolling. And, you know, I mentioned this a minute ago, I asked him a handful of days after that, when, I got, when we got to talk to Rogers, you know, what he thought of his camp. Because I, if he agreed with me that he was playing better and, and he did agree with me. Nice. And he mentioned and seeing something from 2010. Um, unfortunately, with these Zoom calls, you, you don't get a chance to follow up a lot or at all most times. So I didn't get a chance to follow up, but. You know, yesterday, Rodgers mentions that because there was no offseason practices, he got to focus on himself and he's talking about off the field stuff. Right. And look, I mean, everybody knows all the stuff around on the or off the field with, you know, the draft of the quarterback mm-hmm. and relationships and stuff like that. So he got some time to focus on himself and he started thinking about the things that he was doing really, really well a few years ago and went back and looked at that kind of stuff and incorporated some of that into his game. Um, he's been rolling. Yeah, he looks um, great. I, I, I expect him to have a, have a good season. I don't, I mean, he's not going to be 4,500 yards, you know, the, the Mahomes or kind of seasons or anything like that, but he doesn't need to, but Sunday scrimmage, I mean, you, you see the stuff, I mean, and you maybe you even think the same, you know, he, you watch Rodgers play on Sundays and, and there's guys open and he's not throwing it right. and he's not throwing it and he's looking around for big plays and mm-hmm. ends up throwing it, throwing it in the bleachers finally. And that, that worked. I mean, I thought was, th- that style worked when he had. These, like these all-star teams of receiver with Jordy and Randall and Devon. I mean, who who and who on earth is going to guard those guys? Right. You know, and it, that that style worked for a lot of years because eventually, if he, if he extended the play long enough, I mean, who's going to cover Jordy Nelson for six seconds? Right. Well, he doesn't have those guys anymore. And I, I, you know, I actually broached that theory to him last year at his locker. He, he didn't, he wasn't buying what I was selling, but <laughs> um, but Sunday that ball was out, and I don't have it in front of me. I actually wrote it the other day, but I forget. But he was. He's 25 out of 31. Three of those are throwaways. So, but of his 25 completions, something or something like 20 of them, 19 were less than 10 yards. Interesting. So it was a lot of dinking and dunking, but it was it was decisive. I mean, Rodgers goes out. He took one look at the running back. If the running back's open, boom, ball's in his hands. Nice. 
Um, there's a lot of that. So will, will that carry over onto Sundays when it's, it's a real pass rush and all that? We'll see. But it looks like a different quarterback on Sunday. I hate to make too much out of one practice, but he has been rolling for. Um, there was one exception one day where he wasn't exceptionally sharp, but he's he's been on, on quite a roll. And you know, Adams is Adams, but they're, they're, you know, Lafleur's talked about this the marrying up of plays, and mm-hmm. they didn't they didn't do a lot of that last year. It seemed to me, and it's, it looks like there's more of an emphasis on that. So the running game is gonna be really good. So if that running game gets rolling and you can make your passes look like runs, it should really, in theory, on paper, on the marker board, it really should lead for some opportunities to open up the passing. Oh, man, you got me fired up on this morning as we're recording. And as we wrap up our last Packers question, then I've got a, a, a follow-up end of the episode question that I ask all our guests. But uh, another article that you uh, wrote about and talking about the offense and talking about another guy that's having a really strong camp is Marcos Valdez-Scantling, affectionately known as MVS. Uh, you had it titled, quote, maybe the MVS hype is real this time, question mark, end quote. For the listeners that have not read that article, can you expand on that article and your view and projections of third-year wide receiver Marquez Valdez-Scantling? Yeah, he was like, he, he was literally handed the job, the number two job last year behind Adams. I mean, I remember going out to OTAs in, in 19, and they would break off into special teams periods. He didn't even take part. It was Adams and Jimmy Graham and... Mercedes and and MVS would go do offense stuff okay. with Rodgers. I mean, there, there, it, it wasn't a battle. He was the number two receiver, and that was that. I'm not saying he had a place in a dad. That's not at all where I'm going, but I just, just so people don't misunderstand. But he, and, but he never, to me, he, he never played to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I never, those are many days at, at training camp last year where I thought, boy, he's, I mean, every, everybody's throwing these verbal bouquets at him. And I'm thinking, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just not seeing it. I mean, he's big and fast. And I mean, that's, Always going to get you a place to play, but I, I'm just not seeing this. I'm, I'm not. I'm not buying what I'm what, what I'm being sold. So this year, there, there's like no hype around him coming into camp because right. Lazard is number two, and Lazard will be number two. But I mean, there's no hype around him. You know, EQ is coming back. You know, maybe he'll challenge for for number three and all these things. But he's MVS has been rolling, and it's not. And it hasn't been the long ball stuff. I mean, he caught it was like his first rep of training camp in week one. He caught the bomb from Boyle, but I don't. I don't recall any more of that, but like Sunday's scrimmage, you know, you know, Green Bay's third on offense was god awful last year, just horrendous. Well, it was not on Sunday; it was really good. Rodgers threw four third down passes to MVS. He caught them all, and they're all for first downs. Um, there, there were no twenty yard gains and deep. I mean, it was crossing routes and outs. You know, six yards, eight yards here. He's caught everything, and people are always going to have to be a step off of him for fear that he's just going to run past you because he is he is a legit size speed guy so that leaves the underneath stuff open and, and he's got to take advantage of it um lafleur talked about it you know way back in the start of training camp that they're counting on him and you know rogers is counting on him and god you hate to make too much out of august because i thought darius shepherd was going to be a, a guy who could contribute to I, I was wrong but he's been really good and really and, and really consistent being the being the most important thing and um i think rogers used the phrase paraphrasing lafleur but what mvs has been doing of late is the standard, and that was uh, Rogers quoting of LaFleur. Nice. Do you think this is a make-or-break year? I know the, like, I'm glad that you mentioned, because last year, everyone was down on MBS. This year, the hype is real. Everyone was sleeping on him. I even, uh, when I recorded with Ken back in the summer, we were talking about roster predictions. I was at a game in December, actually back-to-back games in December, both cold games. I think it was Lions and Bears. And I keyed in on Alvis Witted, the former wide receivers coach, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And he, for me, he looked 
unbearably cold. And I get it. Lambo is cold and I'm, you know, I'm bundled up. And so I understand my perspective, but the, the first game that I noticed, I was like, wow, he's really cold. He just seems sort of out of it. And he was a no show in that game. The following week I had made it, I had made it a point to watch him again. So we got there super early. I wanted to see warmups and there he was again, just standing there. He just seemed out of it even to the point where Elvis Wood had came up and did a couple, you know, jabs playfully trying to get him pumped up. And from my vantage point, it did not seem that to be the case. Ken even uh, mentioned that MVS is the type of person where the first pass in preseason, if he catches it, he's going to have a good year. If he drops it, he's not going to have a good year. Could you, Do you feel that that's the case where he's just compounding, where things have got off to a good start for him? And he's dialed in. Yeah, you know, LaFleur and Rodgers both mentioned the confidence. Now, it was funny that MVS, when we talked to him, and it was a couple of weeks ago, totally shot that down. I never lost my confidence. But Rodgers and LaFleur said he did. And look, you get hurt. It's it's hard. And and people people forget that just because he's playing doesn't mean he's healthy. And he I mean, he had the ankle and knee, was it week six against Detroit? Mm-hmm. The way Mike McCarthy would say it, Detroit. <laughs> That's always stuck with me, Detroit. And... He, he wasn't the same guy. I mean, I, I wrote about in my story where he, you know, look at yards per pass run. He was he was literally the the lowest in the NFL over like the last nine games. If you look at pro football focus numbers, um, but if you're, it's hard when you're hurt. It's it's hard when you know uh, what you can do when you're healthy. But but now you're not healthy and you and you can't you can't function like you want to. And I suppose it's probably even worse when you're kind of been phased out a bit of the offense because you're not playing very well. And it's cold. It must really suck. Right. So we'll see. Yep. Um, not, I mean, none of us, I'm not going to, I'm not going to come out and tell you that he's going to go catch 50 passes for 800 yards. Which I, I have no idea. None. But I, I do feel like he's been a better player this summer than last summer. That, that I can tell you. Projection part of it, I've got no idea. And for a projection then, as the Packers square off week one, I can't believe it. It's happening. Football is happening with the Green Bay Packers and Minnesota Vikings. No fans. I saw a tweet that, you know, they're going to pump in a bunch of noise for a projection for our listeners. Uh, what are you predicting for week one Packers Vikings? I think Green Bay wins. Um, man, Mike Zimmer's defense. Well, Mike Zimmer's a guy who's renowned for his defense and he's always had good secondaries. Mm-hmm. Kind of like we're talking about with the Packers. You don't know. What do they have in a secondary? Right. I mean, they got rid of Rhodes. Um, Waynes and McKenzie left. I mean, those that was their top three guys. Mm-hmm. At corner now, they got Mike Hughes, who was a first round pick a couple of years ago. He hasn't played a whole lot. Um, I think Holton Hill, an undrafted guy. Hollywood. Undrafted because he had all sorts of trouble at Texas, right. off the field stuff. Um, I think he's going to start with Hughes, and then they drafted three guys, and they're kind of the depth. Are they better than what they had? Um, does it matter because they just dra- um, traded for the, the guy from Jacksonville? And this is the great thing about being a writer. is I don't know how to – I don't have to say – Yannick's name. I just know how to spell it. <laughs> yeah. but the guy from Jacksonville who had a, who's got a bunch of sacks. N G A K O U E. Couldn't tell you. It makes no difference to me. So they got a great. Pa- I mean, they got two really good pass rushers. So if you can rush the passer, does it matter at all if your corners are young? Um, they also um, lost their their big defensive tackle, Linval Joseph, and, mm-hmm. and then the guy they signed, Michael Pierce from Baltimore, opted out. So I mean, they, the run defense might not be as good because they lost their big guy. The pass defense might not be as good um, because of the corners. And that is a lot of uncertainty. And again, just like every other team they've, they've had, they'll have 15 practices or whatever it is to get it sorted out. So I, I think Green Bay wins um, because I think the home field advantage is gone. Yeah. And I have no idea about their secondary. And um, look, 
Kirk, if you, if you, if in a vacuum, you look at Kirk Cousins numbers, you think he's a hell of a good quarterback, but man, oh man, that game last year, that was about as bad a quarterback game as I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, he was awful. Yeah. And a lot of that was because Zedaria Smith spent like 80% of the game beating the crap out of him. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, and now he doesn't have digs either. So again, you, you've lost, you lost digs and, you know, Justin Jefferson might be a great receiver, but if you look at over time at rookie receivers, they don't necessarily pan out right away. Right. Um, so I, I think wow, this is a long-winded answer to say Minnesota's got a lot of uncertainty compared to Green Bay. I will take Green Bay to win. I love it. And I, there's this rivalry, too, with Zimmer and Lafleur, especially when Zimmer threw him some shade with that not even a handshake. And I know that Lafleur took offense to that. So I'm sure I'm wondering if that's some added juice as well on top of, you know, the the border rivalry. But as always, I think I think the Packers are going to going to win i i'm keyed in i i no fans i i, I want to know what's going on but like you mentioned rogers seems dialed in lafleur does as well um that's going to bode well when you can stabilize you can ground yourself you can control what you can control and with that i've got one last question for bill huber on tap if you could go back to one season and cover the Green Bay Packers what season would that be the ice bowl season oh nice i mean a, a, a the ice bowl i would God, I'm a Wisconsin guy, and I hate cold weather. But I would like to experience that. Um, you, you've heard so many stories, but I would, I would like to experience just the misery of that day. And then, <laughs> and then, you know, it, it's obviously, it's the most, it's the most famous game in NFL history. Yep. Um, it's the most famous drive in a- NFL history. And 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 not only that, just that season as a whole. I mean, that is, that's it for for Lombardi. Yeah. I mean, this is a team that I mean he had milked. Every ounce out of that football team. The drive to to win one more for the old man is as Jerry Kramer put it. Just to be, I mean, it is I mean, you know, maybe the Patriots have beat it now, but it is the greatest dynasty ever up until yeah, obviously maybe now. Mm-hmm. But to to be there and, and that was a team that was that was an over the hill football team, right? Mm-hmm. But he made he made it happen, and they and they punched one in, in Super Bowl two, and obviously Lombardi Lombardi's out, and the Packers going through this two decade long funk. Right. Um, so I, I would like to have been there for the, just for the, I don't know. I, I don't know how to say it, the, the feeling around that team. knowing. I mean, look, look, they probably all know it, that their, their expiration dates coming, you know, all these hall of famers are, are kind of at the end. They probably all know this is probably their last try. And then to punctuate it, um, with the most famous game ever, then obviously to beat the hell of the Raiders in the, in the Super Bowl. But, um, that, that would have been it. I, I would go back to the fifth and last championship of, of Lombardi. I love it. I love the nostalgia too. Obviously that, you know, I was born in 1983, but uh, my grandfather was at that game and little humble brag moment, but uh, the season tickets that I currently occupy in the, the seat that I sit in is the same seat that my grandfather sat in during the ice bowl. So something well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And so when you mentioned the ice bowl and that's the another reason why I love bringing on guests and getting that nostalgic aspect and going back. I didn't know that we were going to talk about Donatello Brown. I didn't know that we were going to mention the Ice Bowl. So um, once again, thank you so much for coming on for your own self-titled episode. Before we wrap up, can you tell our listeners where they can follow you as well as uh, when do your articles typically, uh, when are they published? They're published all day yep. because I, I write all day. I write right. more than anybody really should. <laughs> um, but it is, it is SI.com. I don't know, just I think it's backslash NFL backslash Packers. But just if you can't find me, just type in Bill Huber SI and I'll I'll show up. And that is also my Twitter handle is at Bill Huber SI. Well, thank you so much 
for coming on. Cannot wait, Packer fans, for week one. The NFL season's here. Packers, Vikings, square off. We hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm your host, Bryce Christensen, and this is the Unknown Packers Podcast. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Unknown Packers, as well as Facebook, Instagram, the Unknown Packers podcast. You can check us out on our website, theunknownpackers.com, and a variety of different podcast platforms as well. You can also say, hey, Alexa, play the Unknown Packers podcast. That's right. We're friends with Alexa. Go Pack Go. This podcast was edited and produced by Sonic Transformation. Sonic Transformation. Your sound, refined.